Hey, Matt. Hey, Mike. Want to do a podcast? Yeah. All right. Welcome to Hacking the Gripson. This is episode 20, whatever it is. Uh, <laughs> and today we're going to start something a little special, a little more melodic than our usual fare. Cue the drums. <laughs> so, cats and kittens. So, we've been talking about programming on this podcast for, you know, uh, nearly two dozen episodes. Is that and, what we've been doing? Uh, well, we keep saying words, and they somehow <laughs> continue to be about that, yes. Uh, but I thought that an interesting topic, actually a series of topics maybe, would be, while I am a developer, as you are, Matt, I am I also consider myself a musician. I've been... I also consider you a musician. Yes. Matt also considers me a musician. Uh, I first picked up the guitar in high school, so 20 plus years ago, and I've been playing guitar since then, but I also started writing music a few years after that. Now, one thing I've noticed as someone who makes music as a form of expression, uh, is that there seems to be overlap between writing music and writing code. Now, do you think that's because of the creativity involved in both? Definitely the creativity. Um, there's also kind of a mindset, I think, that both enjoys and grocks at least a certain kind of music that is shared with someone who develops, uh, especially in the computer age when music is made by computers uh, so much more than it, you know, was 40 years ago. Ha you know, using a computer not only has changed how I think about making music, but it also changes basically how I make music. Interesting. When I think of making music, I think of going to the computer almost as much sometimes as I do picking up an instrument. So anyway, I figured... A, an interesting topic would be to kind of go back and forth between these two disciplines and see how they overlap. And, you know, even though, Matt, you may not consider yourself a musician... I am the opposite of that. You <laughs> are aware of music and what it is, and you listen to it. It is noises that are in some sort of uh, pattern. Yes, patterned air changes, I believe. Yeah, is. patterned vibrations in the air. If we want to be like that one <laughs> webcomic that likes to, you know just change everything into its most verbose description. Um, Strange Planet, I think that's what it's called. Anyway, uh, this is a huge topic. Uh, music is a huge topic. Development is a huge topic. That's why we made a whole podcast yeah, about music's it. been around for at least 10 years. At least 10 years. At least as long as this podcast has been, a long, yes. has been around. So what I think the best way to handle this is to break it down into smaller topics. And so one of the top... The, the first topic I'd like to talk about is the concept of libraries. Now, so is this the first verse? Uh, this is probably more of an... Well, yeah, that was the intro, and now this is the first verse. Okay. You're right, you're right. I don't know what the chorus of this I was series just is going to be, that. but... Oh, and when I we get to bridge, you can explain to me what that even means. I got to think about that. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, music, yes. You've heard it. You know what it is. Um, when I say that I make music, I, what I mean is that, like, I play instruments and I record them. But I also go onto the computer and use something called a DAW, or a Digital Audio Workstation, which is just a fancy term for software that runs on a computer uh, that helps you make music. Um, so I'm going to show my ignorance here. Please. So like GarageBand? GarageBand okay. is, uh, is some software that comes with uh, Apple Macs. Like, would that be considered a DAW? Um, 
I mean, GarageBand itself is not the DAW. It's more the computer with the software and the hardware in totality ah, is okay. the DAW. Like, so you could literally just have your iPhone be your DAW. It could be your DAW, huh. yeah. The, the, the term feels a little elitist now that everybody has computers that are pretty much able to make music both, uh, um, you know, strictly digital on the computer or recorded like using a mic or plugging in an instrument like that. So I don't really refer to using okay. a DAW, but I just wanted to put that out there. Your computer. My computer, yes. <laughs> and I use a uh, more complicated version of GarageBand called Logic or Logic Pro. Oh, yes. Uh, but other ones that you may have heard of are Pro Tools. That used to be the industry standard. It might still be. I don't know. There's also things called like Cubase. There's another one for Windows called Reaper. Uh, I mean, the program we're using right now, Audacity, to record this podcast could technically be called, you know, uh, a DAW software because you can have multiple tracks and you can record live audio like we're doing right now. This podcast is is music. It, it could be music. <laughs> I mean, if we just that, 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 you know, now you, it's music. You wrote our theme song. I did write our theme song years ago, but yes. And that was, and that was, uh, so it's, it's a DAW that you wrote that on. Uh, it was done on a DAW. Yeah. It was done on a Mac oh. in Logic. Um, None of the sounds on there are, were recorded live. All of those sounds are either samples, which is uh, a good segue into the topic, which is libraries. So when you're making music, you could just record everything. You know, if I wanted to make like a four-piece rock band song, I could have a guitar, I could have a bass, I could have drums, I could have a regular mic, and hit record and record all those things on separate tracks, mix them together, export them to an mp3 boom i've made music um but i don't have for instance a full orchestra in my in my house that i can just say hey violin section hey cellos hey bass start playing these things but you know who does have full recordings of live orchestras sample library uh -huh. producers yeah so um one of the major uh library producers of things like that is a company called Native Instruments, and I use them constantly. They have a whole uh, set of libraries called um, Complete, with a K. Uh, so it's Native Instruments Complete, with a K, like Mortal Kombat. And that just comes with tons of sample libraries, which are recordings of live instruments that are done in a way to where you can essentially sequence them how you want. So, like, they just record a violin on every note that a violin could play in different ways, like, uh, you know, staccato, or like sustinato, like, you know, that kind of stuff. Okay. So, and then you go on the computer and you say, okay, I want this track to be a violin. So those are actual recordings of actual instruments when they did that. Yes. I had just assumed that it was basically the, uh, an updated version of, of MIDI. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, no, and, and, and MIDI is different because MIDI is just instructions to tell a computer how or what to play but it doesn't tell you what audio to use to make that sound so that's why it's more of a say like i want you to play a violin these three notes but the computer that you're running midi on decides how those notes will be played and that's where the sample library comes in so i could drop in this native instruments complete you know uh, violin core or uh, string quartet and then you write the MIDI, like A, B, C, the mm. notes, and then you say, I want it to be this violin from this sample library, and it then, and then you hit play, and it plays those notes, 
using those recordings of that violin. Now, I didn't have to record that violin. I didn't have to record that cello. I just you didn't have, have to tune anything. I have to tune it. No, I, I don't have to make sure that it's recorded well uh, and recorded properly. Instead, I get someone else to do all that, and then I pay them essentially for their time, or there's a lot of free ones too. And so I use their library. So now, how is that like development? Well, I think you would probably agree that uh, you know, you're not necessarily writing all your code by hand, even though you probably... I would like to. You would like to, <laughs> yes. Uh, but, you know, occasionally there are things that are uh, done well by other people, and they already exist, yeah. so you use them. I certainly don't write everything in, in binary code or machine language. I start with the programming language, and then all of those have standard libraries in them, typically. Mm -hmm. And then you can get libraries as well from open source or you can purchase them i don't think anyone ever does that really uh, <laughs> uh but there's all sorts of ways you can actually get libraries that you can include into your program right. so this would be somewhat similar to that yeah well uh if we go back to the software i use logic logic comes with a bunch of samples and also synthesizers which are you know digital sound uh that i didn't have to get additionally but of course the stuff that comes with logic after you use it for a while, since I've been using Logic for a very long time, I've heard most of the samples that it has, and and one, you get tired of those samples, and two, it doesn't have all the instruments you want. What if I want something like you know, uh, a, you know, Balinese gamelan or something like that? Logic doesn't yeah, have that. You might want that, right? I, yeah, I, maybe because I'm writing the you know, because I just want gamelan, man. Why? What? Don't be anti-gamelan. <laughs> uh, so I would go find a library that someone had recorded the gamelan in all of its notes in different, you know, styles. And then I just put that into my software and now I can write gamelan music as if I had one right with me, but I don't because that wouldn't require getting one and they're probably expensive. I don't know. So, um, once again, I, I feel like music and development are similar in this way because I can't be good at every instrument that exists in the world, and and I can't easily have recordings or record myself because I would have to be good at all of them of every instrument in the world. So I turn to libraries to because other people are good at those things, and I bring those libraries into my stack, as you will, my development stack, and then I use that alongside my you know intrinsic abilities to orchestrate and arrange them. that makes me wonder yes please if you're not good at everything and how dare you right uh, <laughs> i'm sorry listeners um but you are good at some stuff i know this like firsthand i've seen you play guitar you're very good at that and you, yeah. you're good you're a good songwriter do you ever create libraries for other people to use just like you might do as a software developer right uh i I don't think I've ever made anything that I put out there for other people to use, but I have written custom instruments to use for myself. Like, for example, uh, I once made a uh, mouth drum instrument huh. and a mouth bass instrument, which was literally, you know, kind of like beatboxing and then kind of just my voice doing different notes. Like. Yes. <laughs> not, not exactly my name, but you know, more, yeah. But, and, oh, you're not, you're not a Pokemon. Okay. No, not yet. Uh, someday. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, 
so so yeah, I would I would record all of those sounds as separate files, and then I would map them to the keys on a keyboard. And so when I pressed, you know, like the middle C on my keyboard, it would play, you know, my mouth making the C note in a bass kind of way, oh. or 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 a or a hi hat of me going or or boom boom boom, you know, that kind of. And so you actually record when you do that every note in that you don't just do like one and then it just pitch shifts now you could do that but after you pitch shift beyond a couple uh steps it starts to sound bad so yeah generally you need to do it at least every other step or so so then you get that auto-tune sound if it if we push exactly so so generally i do like an octave or two and then if i need something lower or higher i might just pitch shift it a little bit but generally you know that that's enough for my purposes but interesting uh but you know there's lots of um much like there's huge development libraries, like I was, I was trying to think of some uh, development libraries that I've used in the past. Some of the ones that I came up with were uh, jQuery mm-hmm. and jQuery UI, uh, which is essentially a framework for JavaScript that makes it easier to write than vanilla JavaScript. Although these days, vanilla JavaScript has gotten way better, and honestly, I don't really use jQuery much anymore. Um, which, in a musical sense, is sort of like if I couldn't play the violin, and so I use someone else's library who could play the violin, and then over time I learned to play the violin, now I don't need to use a library of someone else playing it. I just record myself live. Or you were able to buy an actual violin. Might even be a more apt... Uh, That's true. Yeah. Yes. Um, violins were only... Only one person had violins. Well, hey, back, <laughs> when violins were first invented, yeah. yeah, only the Richie Richington people could own a violin. But now, you know, you can just buy one on Amazon for, you know, really cheap. I have, like, two of them in my house, and I don't even really play violin. So mm-hmm. another another big one is Bootstrap, which is a front-end uh, library uh, that does both CSS and JavaScript. So it's a really good, lots of websites run on Bootstrap where you just like, I need a quick website and I don't want to deal with the standard, bog standard way that like buttons should look like or headers should look like or basic interaction like a pop-up or, or not a pop-up, or a pop-over, a tooltip or a modal window. So you just drop Bootstrap in there and all of those things are just like an API call away rather than you having to write both the the template and the look and the functionality yourself, which I mean, I do that anyway. But so I imagine this is a place where music libraries differ somewhat from the dev libraries. Is that a note is a note is a note? It just sounds different, right? Sure. <clears throat> Whereas if you download Bootstrap, you have to learn what that API is. Well, actually, I would say that is that is actually very similar to oh. music libraries because. What music libraries do is, like I said, if I could play the violin very well, I would just record, I'd turn on a mic and I would play the violin and boom, I'd have violin in my song. But if I couldn't, I would go to one of these sample libraries, which have their own user interfaces that differ. And you would have to learn how they work. And they have lots of knobs and switches and what and configuration. So they do have their own interface. They do. I didn't realize that. That's interesting. Yeah, they all have different ones. And... Uh, some people like certain companies' interfaces better than others, and so they become more popular. Or, you know, violins can sound very differently depending on which kind of violin you use, how you play it, who plays it, where you play it. Yeah, because a fiddle and a violin are basically the same thing. It's just how you play it that makes it. Yeah, I mean, right? I mean, a guitar is just a violin you don't play with a bow. Whoa. <laughs> uh, <laughs> unless you're Jimmy Page. 
Um, so, yeah, so I, I mean, I think, you know, I mean, I, I have multiple, like, string or orchestral music sample libraries because they don't sound the same, and sometimes I'm looking for a particular sound, and, you know, jQuery may be super popular, popular for JavaScript, but it's not the only framework that exists that people have written to make vanilla JavaScript easier. So, I mean, they're more alike than you might think. And I imagine there's there's levels of it, right? Like you can have a real close to the hardware style software library that does very simple things. And then you can have the more, so, you know, you mentioned jQuery. jQuery is pretty close to JavaScript. Mm -hmm. uh, it added a little bit of nice syntactical sugar on top of it. But if you compare that to something like Angular or React, those do a lot more even though they're both fundamentally just libraries sitting on top of... Yeah, they're, they're, I think they the term they use is they're more opinionated, yeah. is that, like, some people really like frameworks that help you, but do not, like, prescribe yeah. how you should write your code. Uh, and then others like Angular and Ruby on Rails are more uh, pr prescriptive, I think, in that they're like, no it'll be a lot easier to do this website if you just do it the way that we say you should do it. So from a music perspective, then, you might have something where the sample is actually more like what I would think of when I think of a music sample, which is like, I'm literally taking this piece of this song, these notes mm -hmm. together, and dropping it in. That would be maybe closer to your Reacts mm -hmm. uh, if they have a library for that kind of thing. Like, ah, I, I actually, I know they do for drum beats and whatnot, because I've I've seen some of those. Mm -hmm. uh, so that might be more of the, on the opinionated side of things mm -hmm. as opposed to like, all right, this is literally just, this is an A note on a violin. Eh, you know, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, the, Apologies, that was probably nowhere near A. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you brought up, though, the idea of a sample because I feel like when I, I'm using the, uh, the word sample and it, it means different things to different people, like when you say you take like a chunk of a song, like when we do um, Hurdle, and you're trying to guess the song, and they break the song down into like the first second, the second second, you could say that's a sample of that song. Well, when I talk samples and I'm saying like a violin played at a certain note in a certain way, but it's like, you know, a second long, that's also a sample. It's just not a sample of the whole song. It's just a sample of a single instrument at a single note in a certain way. And you're like, okay, my composition requires a violin at this note played in this style mm. with this much reverb blah 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 blah. So you could sample like a creaky door if you wanted to. Oh okay so now that you <laughs> mentioned that I have done a lot of sampling of sound effects not musical melodic stuff but there's a site called freesound.org and it's a place where you can just upload any kind of sound you want and so yes every once in a while when I'm out and about uh, and I hear an interesting sound I just pop open voice memos and I record it and yes I've done uh, creaky um, swings uh, huh. that actually sound like horns or elephants. Uh, you know, go to the park with my daughter and the, the, it's a creaky or a, a yeah. Uh, or, you know, and it, it just, I, I would go to the park and I would run my hands across the, the fence, the metal fence, <laughs> and it makes that, that cool little echoey sound. Yeah, and then I uploaded those to Freesound and every once in a while I get a comment from, from, from someone saying like, hey, that was a cool sound, I used it. Or I go on YouTube and I've been credited with like, a sound effect by these hundred people, one of them being me, in my random little video I made. That's pretty cool. And then, so. and then you could use those in music as well by doing some of the pitch shifting and whatnot that mm -hmm. we talked about. Yeah, and yeah, uh, I I once went camping and I took some and I made some recordings <clears throat> of some. Uh, we were making ice cream in an ice cream ball 
that, that thing where you put all the ingredients in yep. it and you roll it around. And that just sounded really cool. And so I recorded some of that, and I have used that in some composition. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so, yeah, I love to use other libraries that other people have made, uh, but I also, as I've been making music for longer, uh, occasionally I need something more custom that just doesn't exist. And so I do make my own libraries that I can then reuse in future things. Sorry, that was a lot of just... That was a lot of stuff. It was interesting. I, to I, me. <laughs> I, I, I hope that made sense. Uh, like this whole series of comparing, you know, the act of making music to the act of making code, is kind of a work in progress. This was just the first idea that, you know, much like writing code from scratch, uh, not it's not always easier to write it from scratch. Sometimes you want to stand on the shoulders of giants and use things that other people have made. And music is no different in that. Like I said, I I can't be good at everything all the time and have everything perfectly recorded whenever I want it. And so I just look for libraries that other people have used and drop them into my stuff and use them. And I use it a lot and it's super useful. Cool. Final question. Yes. Is the documentation problem as bad in the music uh, library world as it is in the software library world? <laughs> the I don't think so. Mainly because the use case is a little different. Like music libraries how they do differ from dev libraries is that they're much more kind of drop in and forget it mm. and set it and forget it. Like at least my usage, that's not true for everybody. Lots of people like libraries that have lots of knobs and switches that they can like tweak forever. I generally just want, like, I don't have the sound of, you know, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I'm trying to think of some random, uh, like, like a shamisen, uh, which is, you know, like a Japanese, like, stringed instrument. Uh, I don't have a shamisen. I can't play a shamisen. So, if I need that shamisen, I need a library. And, oh, but I don't necessarily need to mess with it. I just need clean, note-specific recordings of it. And then I put it into my DAW, and I say, play these notes at these times, and I'm good. Mm. You know, so, whereas... With a dev library, you're probably spending a lot of time looking at documentation to understand how it works. Yes. So I, th I think dev libraries are just intrinsically more difficult to figure out. But otherwise, so does that kind of, did, did I make a good case for these things? I don't know. It made sense to me. Okay, good. Well, I hope it makes sense to you, uh, dear listener. Uh, and uh, hopefully we can do more of these in the future. Um, uh, some other ideas uh, generally that I wanted to think about were just... Um, the, the actual act of writing the notes and how it's, especially if you're writing something like electronic music that's set to a grid, you know, you want everything to be on the beat, uh, that, you know, you want that preciseness, that's very similar to development itself, you know. And we'll get into more of that later. But I, I look forward to it. Okay, well, Matt looks forward to my discussion of this <laughs> thing that I have not written yet. So thank you for joining us for this episode of Hacking the Grebson. Uh, please look us up online at hackingthegrebson.com. There, we have a Twitter account now, uh, HTG underscore podcast. Uh, that's where we'll be putting uh, new episode releases and anything related that seems fun. Please tweet at us if you would like. And uh, we now return you to your regularly scheduled lives already in progress. <laughs>